Welcome to Where RA Now, a podcast dedicated to catching up with NYU alumni who served in the role of RA and listening to their journey of life after graduating from New York University. My name is Shreya Sridhar and I'm tonight's co-host, a junior from Hyderabad, India, studying finance and data science, and I'm an RA in Goddard. And I'm Tom Ellett. I'm the Senior Associate Vice President of Student Affairs, and I serve as the other co-host. Shreya, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. It's great being here. I want to hear your story, India to NYU. How did it happen? Right. So I was really looking towards studying economics, and back home, um, the degree programs are really rigid. So once you choose a certain stream of study, you can't really switch around or transfer around. So I thought the U.S. would be a perfect, you know, flexible program for me to try out. Excellent. Have you started to put your foot in other water as it relates to academics while you've been here? Right. So I was first in the GLS program before transferring into Stern. So that way I am um, doing a minor in GLS now because I was so interested by the liberal arts courses that I took. So yeah, I dipped myself into, you know, dipped my foot into philosophy and great. politics and finance as well. That's great. Goddard. Right. It's our res college. Yeah. How has it been? Now you were a student in the res college. Right, yes. And now you're back again. Mm-hmm. Different? Yeah, it's a little different. We've changed our streams since when I was a resident. But other than that, the atmosphere is the same. It's great. It's collaborative. You know, all the residents, I love my residents. They're really great. So it's all good. And you're on RA Council, so I get to see you regularly. (laughs) And you're actually on the subcommittee for alumni. Right. So just, you know, all alumni stuff. You are. (laughs) And so we have a great guest today, former Stern student. Who's our guest? (laughs) So tonight our guest is Victoria Fabiano Hoffman, who served as an RA in Coral Tower for Katie Bazang during the 2009 to 10 academic years. Welcome, Victoria, and thank you so much for joining us on tonight's show. It's a real pleasure having you on. How are you, and where are you? I'm I'm doing well, Shreya. Thank you for asking. I'm actually in Austin, Texas right now. Oh, great. So tell us what have you done since you've graduated from NYU? Wow, it's been a while. So I, I graduated and I actually went up living in New York for about a decade afterwards. I worked in marketing and then at Google. I even loved NYU so much that I, I went back and got my MBA at Stern. But most recently, I moved back to Austin and about 11 months ago, I, I got married. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Congratulations, Victoria. Wow. We're going to go through all of those aspects (laughs) of your life, but we're going to take a time warp back to Washington Square. Tell us what you studied while you were here. Let's see. I was at the Gallatin School of Individualized Study, and I concentrated in humor psychology. Humor psychology. Consumer psychology, oh, okay. like the inter- <laughs> yeah. Consumer psychology is the intersection of marketing, psychology, economics. So it was a really cool time at, wow. at Gallatin. How did you come up with that major? You know, since you have to build your own curriculum at Gallatin, so how did you get interested in it? You know, I I always thought I wanted to be a marketer, which is 
definitely something that I pursued later in life. But as I was studying marketing, I was taking more and more classes in the business school on economics. And I just got really interested in, in both the creative side of, of marketing and the quantitative side. And so consumer psychology kind of tied it all together for me. And it was just such an interesting experience exploring that interdisciplinary study. Right. That sounds great. Yeah. Tell us a little, I mean, you have a huge resume professionally, but in terms of your undergrad as well, what were some of the extracurricular activities that you spent your most time with? So I did, a. you know, I was one of those people that came, I actually studied abroad my freshman year in Florence, and then I came to the NYU campus, and I felt like I missed out on a bunch of stuff that the, the other freshmen did, so I was involved in so many activities. I was trying to think back on, like, all of the clubs. I was part of the residence hall council before I became the RA. So I lived in Coral Towers, and I spent a lot of time doing residence hall activities, being part of other leadership groups, and I actually did a lot of internships outside of school, so that was, I kind of bundled that into my extracurriculars as well. So I was wondering, with those internships, were you basically exploring consumer development, or were you exploring, you know, other areas that you were interested in? Honestly, I use my internships as figuring out what do I what do I like to do and what don't I like to do. So I bounced from like industry to industry, just trying to figure out how do I use the the concentration of the major that I had and actually applied in the real world. And I was just trying to find the right thing that stuck for me. And so, why the RA position back in the day for you? You know. It was about this idea of helping create community, helping be a leader in for for other students. So, like, I always wanted to be an RA from the day that I got to NYU. I, I even applied twice. Like, I didn't get in the first time, and I worked with Katie, and she's like, let's make sure that you get it for your senior year. And then I became an RA, and, like, my, my dream came true of doing that. So what was it like to work on a staff at NYU? How was it at Coral, and how was your experience? It was it was a lot of fun. I remember a lot of like late night staff meetings, like Wednesday nights, and and like after we did rounds, and we would all be downstairs in the basement, like eating pizza and and giving our updates with Katie. It was a lot of fun. We 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 were like a little family because. It's kind of funny. No one knew where Coral Towers was. <laughs> like, we'd say, no, no, we're, we're near Union Square. They're like, oh, Palladium. We're like, no, 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 no. And it was like, University Hall. We're like, no, 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 above the Wayne Reed. And it was like, we all bonded together because no one knew where we were RA. It's still that way. People will still ask, where is Coral? Tell us a little bit about, you know, you're working, in, you've got a great career going for yourself. Tell us about what skills that you gain from the RE position that you actually use now at Google and in the other roles that you've had over time. I mean, it's it's a lot of foundational skills. Leadership, like I mentioned before, like lead, like you have to learn how to lead your peers. You have to make tough decisions. You have to problem solve. I feel like this idea of like making decisions really quickly. When you got that phone and you were on call, and you got a phone call, and like you had to be able to make quick decisions. And I feel like in my job managing a team today, and in, in my past career, like being able to have a very little information and then take action is something that you typically don't develop or experience much later in life. And I feel like in college, at like 20 years old, 21 years old, like you're doing that. So I think all of the skills, and then lastly, building relationships and a lot of long-lasting relationships. 
Oh, that's funny that you mentioned on call. I'm actually on duty right now, so Tom was just smiling at me. <laughs> She's got that phone. Right. I hope if it doesn't it go off. <laughs> I hope it's better than the flip phones we used to have. Maybe it's an iPhone now, right? No, it's still the flip oh, phone. <laughs> don't tell her that, please. Oh, no. It's an experience, you know, it, it, going it. Everyone back to has to. Days. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think one question I had with Coral specifically, was Coral a smaller team? I'm guessing it, it was. So how was working with a smaller team of RAs and BLT? It was a small team. I feel like, this is so nerdy, like Katie was like our best friend, like across <laughs> the board. We hung out so much together, just like the whole staff. We would help each other do our bulletin boards and like, like totally tension when we if we had like we had this study and we were on duty so it was really really cool experience to just have such a small tight-knit group of people yeah it's still same. it's the same way i think for for most of the staffs here uh, today let's transition to leaving nyu graduation day mm-hmm. you've gone through the whole on-campus recruiting process i'm sure yep. and you graduate what was the decision you made to take that first position and what was it like to be in the real world outside a residence hall without a meal plan and all of those aspects of life? Yeah, so I, I made the decision to take a role that was kind of a, like a, it was a big stretch for me. So I, I, I accepted a role at Dannon. Most of you know it as the yogurt company that makes Dannon yogurt and activity and all that stuff. And it was Ultimately, I graduated in 2010, right after the financial crisis, mm-hmm. and there was more and more companies hiring more junior people for bigger roles. And so I was able to work on a brand management team, which, like, I was given responsibilities that were slated for people who were MBA level. So mm-hmm. being in the real world and mentioning, like, all of the things that I had learned through being an RA, like the leadership, like thinking on the fly, like, I remember going into that interview and they gave me this crazy case study and I did so well because I was like, I can do, like, I can make these decisions and I can extrapolate information and NYU, I think the Gallatin School and being an RA and doing all these internships and having the ability to be able to balance all of it set me up to succeed. Again, not only being able to do really well in the interview and get this job, it was such a stretch for me, but to then perform once I was in it. So it, it like, Yes, it was scary not having a meal plan, but like I still think that even Gallatin having me build my own major prepared me to step into this and, and to enter the real world. It's really about deep thinking, and I think Gallatin, my son graduated from Gallatin as well, and, and it really did help him in terms of critical thinking, so I can imagine how good that was for you. Talk a little bit about data analytics. We have a lot of students study that, either through our Tandon School or this College of Arts and Sciences or even in Stern. What does that really mean in a full-time position? Yeah, and it's it's funny because I think day one when I walked into Dannon, I was like, okay, so what exactly am I doing? So specifically for my role when I was at Dannon, we had a ton of sales data, data from all of our different distribution channels, from like all the grocery stores, think about every way, every channel that we sold yogurt. And they ultimately, my job was to aggregate all this information study it, understand how are we doing, how are we doing against the industry, how are we doing against our competition. I mean, I'm in charge of looking at this data and then being able to tell a story. 
So instead of going up there and talking about all these numbers and what they mean, it's like, no, what is, what's the theme? What's the unifying um, factor to all of this? And how do I say it in English and not in quantitative, you know, math language? And I'll say the one cool thing, and not so cool, I think, for Dan at the time, but the one really interesting thing that happened when I was working there was the Greek yogurt explosion in the yeah. in the U.S. Yes. And so we saw our our sales plummeting at that time, and we were like, "What the heck's going on?" Well, guess what? Our competitive set that we were analyzing didn't include these Greek yogurt brands because they were never on the on the map. And so we had to like look go. I had to go back and look at the whole industry and understand what was going on. And then I was like, what is this company called? Tufaye. And it was like, it's such a cool time to be working in that industry, doing that function. Because I got to see this thing that like a market disruption happened in real time. So it was really cool. Right. So after that, you transitioned to a few companies after your initial first job. So why do you think you made those changes? You know, I think it's similar to to what I was doing with my internships when I was trying to figure out, like, what did I actually want to do in life? And, you know, I made those changes because I, I, there was, I kept working at companies where I felt like I was growing, but I, I didn't find the one that really connected with my personality. And, like, it didn't let me shine. So I kind of bounced around trying to find a place that I could, like, bring my whole self to work and, like, and feel like I was, I was, like, accepted for who I was and how I thought, and I was with really cool people. So I just, I was searching for that, for that right cultural fit for me. And so you transitioned uh, where you are today to Google. And what was that like? I mean, it's such a well-known, you know, I call it a brand, but it really is. I mean, it's innovative, it's creative, it it has such a great uh, reputation in terms of being an employee. Yes, and all those things are are very true. To be honest, and hopefully, I'm not just drinking the Kool Aid here. But <laughs> going to Google, it was it was like that breath of fresh air. It was like I looked around and I was able to like I was my my career felt supercharged. I felt like wow, like I people like care about how I'm thinking about these things, even if it's kind of weird. And like I was brought in specifically because I had a certain background, and they wanted to learn from me. Like, like day one, I was sitting down with the director and he goes, tell me what you find is really weird here. I was like, what do you, what do you mean? He's like, I want to know, like, we, we don't want to keep doing things the same way. Like, we don't want to be, like, tone deaf or, or have a blind spot. So, like, you're, like, this is day one for you. Like, tell me what doesn't make sense and, like, why. And if I tell you that's how we've always done it, call me out because I want to hear what you have to say. So it was, it was mind-blowing. It was amazing. Wow. So today, what is your current role at Google? So I, I've been at Google for five years, and I went from uh, the advertising side, I went to like, advertising and sales and solutions architecture, and now I'm sitting here in a role um, called Enterprise Customer Development on Google Cloud, running a team over here right now. And what does that mean, if you can go into it? Because, I, I mean, it, we have students looking at all of these technological positions out there, doing marketing, data analytics, et cetera. Yes. And I, it's funny because people are like, oh, okay, so enterprise, okay, that means large company. Customer, that means customer-facing development. Okay, what does that mean? Because that could mean like 50 things. So essentially, think of us as a operations arm of a sales pod. So we don't sell products, 
and we don't, we're not engineers, so we're not building products. But what we do is we project and program manage every other aspect of the sales pod. So we're doing research on companies. We're trying to understand what are customer pain points. We're looking across different industries to see what is what can we be doing differently out there. And so we do a lot of kind of consulting analysis and operations to essentially enable sales teams to go out and sell the best products for Google Cloud. Right, so what made you do an MBA? You know, after all these amazing roles that you had, how do you think an MBA helps you with your role now? Definitely. I, you know, I was going through a, essentially I looked around at all of, especially the female leaders that I looked up to and respected, and a lot of them had MBAs. And so I sat down with a ton of different people that I respected in my industry, at work, and they're just like, listen, MBAs are important because they teach you how to contextualize things. They teach you how to connect the dots. And most importantly, like you meet people that are invested in their future and they may too be the future leaders. So like building that network and learning from each other is really important. And so I I took the the advice of my mentors and people that I I wanted to be. And then I I went back to, you know, the school that I loved in New York at NYU and went and got my MBA. That it's great, and we love uh, two-time uh, alums. That's for darn sure. Tell me what kind of experiences in the classroom that you really gained for the study that you did in terms of the MBA yeah. program. Yeah. So, especially the MBA program. So, there's a professor. His his we just call him Kabi because his last name is so long and no one knows how to pronounce it. And he, one of the classes I took that I thought was very odd, it was called Power and Politics. And essentially, it was one of those classes that people were like, oh, no, it's fluffy. Like, you should go take valuation or you should go take, you know, corporate finance. And, I, and of course, I took those courses, but I also was like, no, I really want to, I want to understand what this means. And he's such a well-claimed professor, I need to go take this course. And honestly, that class, he pretty much taught us the power of negotiation, the power of subtle influence, the fact that there are power dynamics in companies and you have to watch out for them. You need to be cognizant of of how you move through organizations because you can be the most brilliant person in the room, but if you can't convince other people to get on board with your idea or your vision, you're not gonna get anywhere. So it was one of those really transformational classes I would say that and then the negotiations class where we did role playing and literally like I probably used all of the frameworks that I learned in that class on, on how to negotiate with customers and with my peers. You speak so much about the importance of relationship building and interacting with yeah. with people. Sometimes I think the RAs forget that important transferability of that skill to almost mm-hmm. anything they can do. You would agree with that? And if so, maybe give an example of that in your work that you do. Yeah, I, no, I definitely agree with that. And I'm just even thinking like, I'm even thinking about my, my team and, and some people that I manage who, like this is actually so silly, but I'm gonna just gonna use it. Like, I remember that we had certain policies in our, in our residence hall. And sometimes the, I can't even believe I'm saying this, but I'm going to say it. So there was a d- interpersonal dispute between some roommates that I had to get involved with. And mm-hmm. pretty much one woman was like, that who lived in the door or in the residence hall room together essentially was like, 
I want to conserve water and I want to implement the rule in our in our room that if it's if it's yellow it's mellow if it's brown flush it down (laughs) and I was like I remember walking into this and being like well, I've never even heard that phrase before, and I and I have to stay neutral. So when it's like in my current day, managing a team or being with customers, one of the biggest things is they may say crazy things that like I do not agree with or are so erroneous that I can't just like call them out on it. Mm-hmm. One that like the beginning part of that story is like I've learned to like have this like literally neutral face because you have to be empathetic and you have to be listening and you have to make sure that the, that your residents know that you respect their views even if you're like to get to the second part of the story we were like no 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 like for health safety reasons you have to be flushing like every time and so like I had to explain to the, the one woman who didn't agree with me I'm like it's not that I don't respect you it's like this is a policy this is a health hazard we have to be doing this and also you look at three other people so like you, you, this has to be a consensus so like and I deal with that every day where I have to be explaining listen these are the rules or this is the biggest discount we can give you or this is how our product works and I understand maybe you want something different but we need to be able to work together and I, I need to be able to communicate gently but assertively that this is the path we have to go. So I feel like I was in situations like that all the time with my residents and even with fellow RAs that you have to be able to influence that authority and, and uh, be pragmatic. Great example. Right. Great example. <laughs> Sorry. All good. So I was wondering, since I'm taking up a data science concentration right now, how do you utilize data in your work today? Is it an everyday thing or is it more, you know, you're just using the data to really develop something on the side? Yeah, I mean, we use data every day. So we're, we're trying to understand how to make decisions on where to put investments of our sales team. We're look, I'm looking at data to understand consumption of how, how are our customers consuming our product and if it's slowing down or if it's not in the normal usage, usage pattern, is it because we have to do more training? Is it because they're having a billing issue? So we use data to also, one, make decisions on investments, but two, predict how our customers or if our customers are having issues or need additional resources from us that maybe they don't know how to articulate. So it's definitely used in a variety of different ways on a daily basis. Victoria, what do you what do you read or what are you paying attention to that helps inform you in the work that you do? Are there journals? Are you know are there blogs? Are there other things that you pay attention to, or you know send to your team and say, hey, you know, feel you know read this. Yeah, I you know it's funny because it, this may sound cliche. It's like one every single day. So I have a Google alert, so anyone can go in and in Gmail you can set up a Google alert where you can put certain phrases in, and it will send you all of the news articles and things that are associated with it. And so honestly, I have that every day for a variety of different keywords. Uh, even just like GCP, which is Google Cloud Platform, but also I work in financial services and healthcare life sciences. So I have certain things I'm always kind of looking at and monitoring. I'm also looking at TechCrunch and seeing like what maybe are are there disruptive technologies that are coming out that I can kind of get ahead of or understand. Um, I'm even a lot of news outlets. It's funny because like I feel like everything with cloud is in, is in like the just the mainstream news. So whether it's Bloomberg or you know any other news outlet, I feel like I'm constantly hit on LinkedIn and in my inbox with all of these sources. But I I don't really pick 
one. I try to, mm-hmm. um, I try to kind of make sure that my team has visibility on the ones who support us and and the ones that that don't, and uh, get a full kind of visibility of the market. Right. So, what advice would you have for an undergraduate who would like to work in the field that you're working in today? I would say that um, definitely kind of understand that this is the Wild West right now. So Google Cloud and, and all the other cloud providers are are facing a variety of, of issues. You have the companies that have been on cloud, like have been in the cloud for years, and you have others that are like, no, you're going to be looking at my data, and, and they're, they're going to fail to innovate. There's a statistic that I read recently that 50% of the S&P 500 is going to be turned over in the next five years, wow. meaning that there's going to be huge companies that fail or, or maybe are in, or lose a lot of market share because they fail to innovate, and cloud is at the core of that. So, my again, my advice is, like, know that there's going to be a lot of changes Take the companies you work for actually carefully because just because they are a Fortune 500 company today may not mean that they will be, you know, in a few years. And understand that there's so much opportunity in these tech companies because they're it's a race and they're hiring so quickly and be ready to get on the rocket ship. Even if it's something that's not really connected to what you think you want to do, if it's the right industry and you can meet the right people, take the opportunity and jump. You mentioned uh, you're recently married. How do you balance personal life and the professional life, especially you just talked about this fast paced, we gotta be careful because other companies may be doing it better if we don't pay attention to what needs to be innovated. Definitely, and it's funny because my husband and I, so we just got married, he is a double graduate from the University of Texas. He went there undergrad and then for his MBA. So it's funny, we have our diplomas oh. hanging right next to each other, NYU and at the UC. You don't have to worry about the competition <laughs> of a football game now, do you? Right. <laughs> you know how many times I still wear the NYU football team? Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Wait, when did already have a football team? And they've anyway, never lost. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think balance, here's the whole thing, or this is the interesting thing. We are ever connected um, to work, to our phones, to, uh, to to our peers or our colleagues. And so I think at first I struggled with balancing being present at home with my husband and like being on my computer and doing work. And I've I found that sometimes you have to be flexible and like, you know what? If we have a din- like if we have to do something and we're at a dinner and I need to leave work early, I know I can always tell my team, hey, I'm gonna log on later, and I can prioritize what's important depending on the day, right? And that's that's ultimately how I feel like I've been able to balance. What do you think you're most proud of uh, in your career to date? Your proudest achievement? <sighs> what I'm most proud of in my current okay, this is cheesy. I've been able to be a part of brand new teams across Google. And I've been able to help build a team from the ground up. So the team I'm on now, like there was just an idea of what this team could be, but there was no process. There was no people that were hired yet. And we kind of took this like idea and built it into a real thing. So I'm really proud of being able to take, like be able to show and, and see kind of the, the outcome of, you know, maybe it's not a, like, it doesn't have to be uh, a product that sold. It's actually like, it's a, it's a team that has grown from the ground up. So that is what I think I'm the most, most proud of to date. 
Impressive. Uh, now it's shout out time. It's time for <laughs> okay. you to tell us who you stay connected with, uh, those RAs and Res Life people that you uh, were closest with. You know, oh, this is the worst. I'm gonna. My best friend from one of my best friends from undergrad, uh, Mike Mullen, was an RA at Coral Towers, and we stayed in contact for a really long time. Mallory and Raj and like there's so many people but I I have to tell you that I probably stay more connected to my MBA friends than my undergrad and maybe that's my age <laughs> it happens especially when you go back to school absolutely you bond over a different thing uh, it's now time for speed round and Trey is going to start us off yes yeah, so what do you think is your all-time favorite book hands down catcher in the rye Ooh. what do you miss most about living in a residence hall um, uh, like built-in social calendar. Best program you did as an RA? Oh, uh, this is a little inappropriate. <laughs> One November, I called it Corn Utopia Month, where we talked about sexual health and wellness and talked about like safe sex. So that yeah. was probably yeah. the most fun and interesting and most attended programming Ooh. that I did. No doubt. <laughs> Who's your favorite NYU professor? Uh, this gentleman, Claire McPherson, I'm not sure if he's still there, but he taught a lot of Gallatin classes that were amazing. Right. So your favorite leadership role, why led NYU? I think it goes to the VP of Student Affairs when I was at Stern during business school. Okay. So thank you so much for spending some time with Tom and I to discuss your journey and where your life after NYU has taken you. As always, thanks to our listeners who can stay connected with RA alums who are living the dream school alumni version life. Victoria, so impressive. You were impressive as an undergrad here. I'm sure as a grad, we are past it and cross. Uh, and certainly what you're doing today. Uh, thank you for being with us this evening. Special thanks to my engineer, Colin McRae, executive director, Duncan Lemieux, and executive producer, Shahara Ranasang, and to the current professional staff and the alums like Katie Basang, and all those others who assisted these great alums in skill acquisition along the way. If you like the show, look for more content on the new NYU RA alumni website at where-ra-now.webflow.io, which lists RA favorite books, picks of all-time favorite memories, alumni accomplishments, and ways to become mentored. Until next time, remember to give thanks to those who helped you along the way to your road to success. Take care.